Ducks fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, and I have a special guest with me today. I have Jordan Samuels Thomas. Uh, you may remember him as uh, playing for the goals and some of the other uh, teams in the uh, HL and NHL, and he's uh, with us today. We're going to talk about the uh, the Ducks and everything going on, some of the trades, some of the articles that he wrote on The Athletic as well, and we'll get into that. So it won't be the normal show. We won't be talking about all the games and whatnot, but uh, we'll go over a lot of things, uh, you know, all Ducks basically, and uh, thank you for coming on the show, Jordan. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. So I don't know if everybody knows, but uh, Jordan and I were trying to get this all worked out and we kind of have a time zone uh, difference. Uh, Jordan, let everybody know like where you are and you know what you're doing right now. Yeah, it's uh, right now I'm in uh, Croatia playing in the uh, Austrian League. So it's 6.20 p.m. here. Uh, had practice, outdoor practice actually earlier today at two o'clock. So um, I'm just uh, here relaxing, going over some uh, game film from the past couple days, uh, working on another article for The Athletic. Awesome. And uh, how is it over there? I mean, is it, is it really different playing over in Europe as opposed to the U.S. and whatnot? Uh, anything yeah. similar or different? I mean, it's essentially the same game once you get on the ice, but there's definitely a lot of difference in the style and it starts with the style of play here. The rinks are a lot bigger. So there's a lot more East West playing a lot more possession. Um, when you enter the zone, you want to make sure you have possession, um, not as many dump pucks and heavy four checks as you would see in the NHL or even American league game. So the game is definitely a lot different. It's a lot more wide open, uh, a lot more skillful. And that's where you can kind of, you can definitely kind of see where, Players like, uh, you know, Kasha and uh, Auberg and all those guys where they get their creativity because it's just a completely different way of thinking over here. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, the rinks are bigger, more east-west uh, hockey style and whatnot. And yeah, you know, you talked about uh, Kasha and Aberg. Um, you just wrote an article on uh, Aberg for The Athletic, which was a really good article. I, I, I really enjoyed it, not just because of the detail that you went into on there, but you had a lot of video clips uh, throughout the article. So you were, you would write, uh, you know, different things about uh, the way he was scoring, uh, back checking and different things like that. And then you had clips after that. What do you think uh, about Aberg? I mean, you know, the Ducks picked him up. He didn't really seem to do, uh, you know, uh, consistently well with Edmonton and Nashville. Now he's with the Ducks and he, you know, I mean, it's crazy. They pick him up on waivers. They actually had sent him down and brought him back up. And now he's leading the team in scoring. Right. Uh, so it, when they picked Aberg up, I didn't really give too much thought of it. And a lot of that had to do with what I kind of alluded to in the article, right? He's playing right. for... I mean, this is his third organization, so he hasn't been able to find a home. So our rookie seasons were actually the same year, 2014, 2015. I was out of college, and he's coming from the SHL. And I remember playing against him when he was in Milwaukee, and he was a really dynamic player, especially when he had the puck. And then the next year after that, he had a, his really big season in the American League. But the skill was always there, obviously a highly drafted player. Um, and I think when you saw him at the NHL level, he'd pop with – very beautiful goals, highlight real goals, because he has all the tools. He has the speed, he has the skill, he has the vision, the creativity to succeed in today's NHL. And 
usually when someone's not consistently in the NHL or they're not consistently putting up the numbers, the word that I just said multiple times was consistency. And that's something that I, when I went through the film, um, breaking down Auberg, um, not just during his time in Anaheim, but looking back where consistency is definitely a factor because I don't, I don't see him being a player who's only going to put up 20 goals in 82 games in the NHL season. But if you look back at the seasons that he's had in the past, you know, he put up, you know, six points in a 37 game stint with Nashville. And then he'd go and put up eight points in a 20 game stint in Edmonton. So he has the ability to put up more like larger numbers. It's just now being a pro, it's about can you bring that every day? And I think that's something that he's really hit on since coming to. Yeah, I agree with you, you know, and, and do you think uh, the way he's going right now, is this something that we're going to see maybe for the rest of the season with Anaheim, or do you think maybe he'll drop off a little bit later, uh, you know, as the season progresses, what's your take on that? Well, right now I still think he's going to be more of a streaky scorer, um, because he's been scoring in spurts. I, I talked about in the article, if you took away his two back-to-back games, we had two goals and two goals. At the time I wrote the article, that means he would have only had two goals in an 18-game stretch, which isn't very good, right? And right. now, even since I wrote that article, I think he had six goals and two assists. So he's leading the Ducks in scoring, but the Ducks weren't necessarily scoring goals. So that article came out a little, maybe a week and a half ago. And since then, now he has 15 points. So that means he's scored seven points in the last week and a half. So that just shows that, you know, he has the ability to score, produce, not only scoring wise, but making plays for others on a more consistent basis. Because like I said, since the last time I released that art, since I released that article, he's put up seven points and the games before that he only had eight. So he's definitely capable of doing it. And I think he, I think he's playing with urgency, even in, uh, if we talk about a little bit about last night's game, yeah, uh, he had those two, big, those two big plays where he got to the house. Um, he didn't have to do it because I've seen him sometimes where he's more so on the top of the circle waiting for maybe a puck to squirt out and then he's going to fly the zone. But he got to the crease because he saw a scrum. He was able to bat that goal for, the puck from crossing the goal line to save a goal and he, was and he blocked a shot with his back right so i i know i was a little critical on maybe some of his consistencies defensively but you know, I mean you saw the urgency and the desperation there for him to be not that he made the play but he was in the right spot to make the play and i think that's what teams want to see from him yeah, I mean, that was a huge play, too. I mean, that was a mad, mad scramble in front of the net. You know, like you said, uh, Gibson made the initial save. Uh, then you see the puckets about to go across the line. He's right there in the crease. He bats it away. Then it comes back at the net again, and he's on his knees. He's got his back. I mean, uh, just a crazy, crazy sequence. And obviously, it worked in favor of the Ducks there, which was huge. I mean, that game was really a seesaw battle. You saw the Ducks come out. Uh, score a couple early goals and really take it to the Hawks in the first period. Then, of course, Chicago responded in the second and was able to, uh, you know, tie up the game late in the second period. And then, of course, the Ducks came back in the third. But what I, I know you talked about that in the article, and it was about a week ago. But as far as uh, players being offensive and back checking, um, you know, when you look at the forwards and whatnot, uh, when you're talking about Aberg and, and we'll get into Sprague too, because obviously the Ducks uh, acquired him and he had a, a really good game last night as well. Yeah, he Do played you, really well. He, he played great. But I mean, is that something that, uh, you know, when you see these forwards, they're going in there, they're getting in the crease, they're playing offensively minded. But 
Uh, do you think that sometimes they forget about the back check and the defense a little bit too much? I think it depends on the play you are, the play you are and how you're established. Right. Um, right. If we kind of move away from those names, if you see a guy like Kali Kosla, who I played with in San Diego, like right. that guy, that kid plays such a tremendous two way game. And he does that in the American league, right? He's the first guy in on the four track. He'll be make sure that he's working hard to be one of the first forwards back, extremely disciplined. And when he gets called up to the NHL, that's not going to change. He's still going to be that person you can rely upon defensively, but he also can give you something offensively. So I think if you look at a guy like maybe Auberg, who has had some, uh, difficulties defensively. It's just, I think when you're talking about defense and back checking, it's really all a mindset. Like, and this isn't to say Getzlaff doesn't, but if we use him <laughs> as an example, like, or, or Perry, <laughs> yeah, Getzlaff, Perry, like, you know, their cap hits over seven, eight million dollars. They're right. well established scoring. If they don't, if they don't back check for two seasons, nothing's going to happen to them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I only pointed that instant out in Auburn. And that like, it was a thing that you saw a ton. But I pointed out in the sense that to play in the NHL, it's, it's an extreme privilege, right? Like, I haven't had the opportunity to, to do that. So once you have the opportunity to do it, you want to make sure that you give yourself every chance to make sure that that's a full-time thing for you. And kind of like what I talked about in the article, when you're not doing this, if you're not scoring goals, like, and right, Auberg was leading the team in goals, and he still is. But right. there's a long stretch where he hadn't scored goals. So now you're not scoring goals. What are you going to do for me? Or can I can I put you on the ice? Can I put you on the ice when you're not necessarily scoring goals? Will you back check? Will you forecheck? Will you block a shot like we saw him do last night? Right. What are those little things that you can do? Like, and that's kind of the difference. Where you know Cogliano, he can go out and have a hot streak, and maybe he scores three goals in a week and then you don't hear from them for three weeks, but you can still rely on on them on a PK to give his best effort every night. And that's kind of just when you're a young player, you got to find out the little things that help you stay in the league because for most of the players in NHL, even American league level, you have always been the most talented player before getting there. Now you're playing with other talented players and you may not be the cream of the crop. So now what can you do? to establish yourself and show yourself important to the team. No, I, I mean, I agree hundred percent. I think you got to do those other things. Like you said, you know, Perry, a lot of people get on him cause we know he, he'll cherry pick to score on the offense and then he doesn't always get back gets off as well. But like you said, they've been in the league for a long time. They're established, but for these newer players, it's a little bit different. I think sometimes too, Cogliano gets a little bit of a bad rap too, because some people uh, they've seen him on his breakaways they sometimes say he has stone hands or sometimes he misses a play. But like you said, you know what you're going to get with Cogliano every night. You know he's going to kill those penalties. You know he's going to back check. You know he can skate fast. And I think that's a huge thing because, like you said, if these younger guys come out and say Aberg does go on a little slump here, right? Say he doesn't go on a roll um, like he's yeah. been right now. But if he does those other little things like you talked about, like we, we saw it really, I mean, a lot in this game against Chicago. He was really hustling on the two-way game as we talked yeah, about. Yeah. And that's huge. I mean, and he on that one play, he kept the puck out two times. I mean, that's huge. So I, I think you're right. It's a big key for these younger guys. Like you said, you get up in there, you can score goals. Okay, great. A lot of people can score goals. But, I mean, what are you going to do when that drought happens? Yeah, and that's uh, and I th- that's all about becoming a pro. And that's the difference between guys who get their cup of coffee in the NHL and the guys who are able to, you know, <laughs> 
for lack of better analogy, buy a place in a city because they can be <laughs> there for a while because they're relied upon. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, the Ducks did uh, make another move. Uh, you know, they made a, you know, not really a big trade, but I mean, they did uh, send Marcus uh, Pedersen to Pittsburgh, uh, another team that I follow closely. And then uh, the Ducks got Daniel Sprague back. And, you know, my impression of the trade, it's it's hard to evaluate trades right away. A lot of people, as soon as the trade comes out, they're like, oh, this team won and this team lost. And I don't really look at it that way because obviously it takes time to really evaluate a trade. But with that said, looking at this, I, I like this deal. And I, I, maybe you agree or maybe not. But I, I think uh, Marcus Pedersen, great player. I, I think he was more of a third line uh, pairing for the, you know, defense for the Ducks and maybe most teams. And I, I like this trade bringing in Sprague. This was even before the game, obviously, last night against Chicago. And, of course, he scored. But I, I think he has a lot of upside. I mean, where do you see him fitting in um, with the Ducks? I mean, he uh, to me, he played a tremendous two-way game in his first game with Chicago. But do you see him as a guy that could be a top six uh, guy going forward or maybe a bottom six guy? Yeah, I think I, – I mean, I don't think he's a fourth liner for sure. And you're right. You can't you – can't, decide which team won a trade right off the hop. But I will say this, considering the, the depth of Anaheim system on the back end, I don't think that there's any way that they necessarily lose this trade. I think Marcus is an awesome player. I played with him last year in San Diego. He's a great guy, and he did a great job for Anaheim while he was there. But at the same time, you see that they have the depth in Dachin and Mahora mm-hmm. and two, three other guys in San Diego uh, Walensky, who can fill in and probably do the same job and maybe even provide some more offense than Marcus did. Uh, that being said, I think a lot of the issue that has hampered Anaheim's success has been team speed. So you bring in a forward who has top six potential for sure, but I think at worst for this turkey, for this Anaheim team, how it's currently constructed, top nine. And I think you have a player who's been a proven scare as a scorer as a professional. He had a phenomenal season last year in the American League. And just seeing him in the lineup, not saying that he was the cause, because I think Anaheim's playing with a lot of swagger right now, because there was a time where it looked like they weren't sure what they were doing. Or how <laughs> exactly. They were and now they're flying. And I thought last night was probably the fastest game that they played all season. And I think that's huge because I think that, for the longevity of success that the organization has been able to have in terms of getting to the playoffs and being relevant, the team speed needs to increase and players like Auburn, players like Sprong are going to be key components. And I think it's perfect for the Anaheim mold because um, more so Sprong, like he's a fast guy, but he's a sturdy guy. He's built like a rock. He's hard to get off the puck. And I think he's perfect for Anaheim's system. And I'm excited to see what he does. Yeah, I am too. I mean, a lot of people are really high on him in Pittsburgh. And, you know, uh, last night when he scored that goal, a lot of people on social media from Pittsburgh are really upset because they're like, we let this guy go. And, you know, he went over to Anaheim and here he is the first game. He scores right away. And like you said, he's strong on the puck as well. I, I like the move, you know, and that's what uh, we've talked about on our show too a couple times before is that the Ducks were kind of in a difficult position this season. You know, you had Corey Perry out. He went on the long-term injury reserve. And a lot of people had mentioned stuff about, hey, let's go out and get a big-name player. Let's, you know, uh, Nylander was out there for a while, and then obviously we saw him resign and things like that. But, I, you know, I think the Ducks are kind of in, in a tough spot because, yeah, you have that long-term injury reserve, 
But Perry's supposed to come back during the trade deadline. You're, you know, if you bring in somebody, then you're going to have to try and figure out the cap space when he comes back. So it's kind of a catch-22 situation. So I didn't see the Ducks doing any kind of big moves uh, up until the trade deadline. So they make this move, which it seems like a minor move, but I, I agree with you. I like it. I think he can definitely be in the top nine role for sure, maybe in the top six. And I think it's going to help the Ducks. I think the emergence of uh, Auberg and with him, I, I think the Ducks are in a good spot. I think, you know, before this game too, Jordan, I think what was huge was that game against Washington. I mean, how many people turned that game off? The Ducks were losing 5-1, to one, and then they get a couple of late goals in the second period in that game. They end up winning that game, uh, you know, on this crazy road trip where they started out in Nashville. They didn't play so great. They came back in a couple of the other games and won. And I think right now the Ducks are, are looking in a good spot. And like you said, I think when you bring in another player like this, another kind of energy guy, it's tough to get off the puck and play a two-way game. That's a lot of upside. Uh, you know, I really like this trade. Yeah, I think so. If, just touching back on, on Sprong's acquisition, for if we look at the time he had in Pittsburgh, right? He was in Wilkes-Barre last year and he did his thing and then he had some time up with Pittsburgh last year and I thought he played well. And this year, he was obviously, that was his first goal of the year. I think he drew in something around 15 games and he had no goals. But right. if you watch him play, he was being misused. And that was something I was definitely curious to see in his debut with Anaheim. Where was Carlisle going to have him in the lineup? And I thought that he placed him in the right spot. And uh, it was at the expense of Kashe, who I don't think is a fourth-line right winger by any stretch of the imagination. But right. when you bring a guy into a new to a new spot, I think it was the right play when you had to make a choice to put him in there because there's a player who's in need of confidence, who obviously has shown that he has a pedigree to be that type of player, and obviously he paid off right away. And uh, if we look at the the game in Washington, I thought uh, – I remember tweeting after the game that that was – probably the biggest game of their season because I know there was an article that came out from The Athletic um, just about, and well, from the quotes from the coaches and players that, you know, we want to win 2-1 games and 3-2 games, but if you look around the National Hockey League, no one's winning consistent 2-1 games, 3-2 games. You have to score in today's game. I think um, the era of just shutting it down and having those low-scoring games are over. So for them to play against the former or the, the defending Stanley Cup champions and show the resilience to come back after being four, down 4-2 four heading into the second. I think that's huge. And now, you know, people are telling them, okay, you can't score that. Now they're like, okay, we can score against a really good decor, against a team that knows how to win, a team that's pretty much the same as the Stanley Cup team. I think it was a huge win for them. And I think that's why we saw them come out with so much speed and and what I said before, swagger. They really had swagger in their game last night. They were flying around. It was the fastest I've seen them play. Yeah, I mean, at one point in that game, in the first period, they were out shooting Chicago 9-1, to and I, I tweeted out on the Ducks uh, and Pucks account, you know, I was like, who is this team? <laughs> you know, the Ducks have been getting outshot so badly in a lot of the games going on in the season. Uh, it's been difficult. But, yeah, I mean, they're the only team to come back against a Stanley Cup champion down four goals in a game uh, in the regular season. Just crazy. And I think you're right. It added to the momentum. They came out Chicago. They got a new player as well. They're coming out with speed. They're looking good. Um, you know, obviously, they got a couple more games on this homestand, but they're playing well. I guess part of the issue that some of us have been talking about, and I'll get your take on this, is it seems like this team – 
has been a great regular season team for the last several years. We've seen the Ducks win several Pacific Division, uh, you know, uh, titles, which uh, we've talked about. We don't really care that much because, you know, obviously it's all about the playoffs. You want to be hot going into the playoffs. And when the Ducks have won. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And and what is your take? It seems like uh, like with this team. I'm optimistic, but I'm kind of cautiously optimistic because I, you know, this team right now is in second. They, there's been moments where they've been in first, but then Calgary won later on in the night. Now Calgary's back in first, but the Ducks have been kind of up there in those top three spots. How do you see this team? Uh, do you think that they're going to carry this momentum through the regular season uh, in in the division? But after that, do you think it'll translate into the playoffs? Because that's kind of you know been the issue with this team for the last several uh, years or seasons. Yeah, it's tough to say. Uh, even just past the quarter mark of the of the season of what this means for the Ducks. Obviously, they're on a little run here, but if you go back two weeks ago, it kind of felt like panic mode around the team, like people talking about yes, coaching yes. and players, or this guy can't do that. And a lot of that has to do with just uh, how weak the Pacific Division is right now. Obviously, LA is having absolutely a down year, so I think. I think even if you come out number one in the Pacific, it does. It's not going to hold the same weight as it has in the past. So for that reason, I think it's, I find it really hard to evaluate the Pacific and the teams in it for right now. Do I think Anaheim's necessarily that team that I would say, Hey, they're in my group, my short list of contenders. I wouldn't say so. However, they're on a good run. And if they can continue doing it, things might change because this, a lot of players who have been a part of successful Anaheim teams are still here, but for them to compete in today's NHL, like we've already touched on, it's that team of speed and they've found it through the waiver wire and most recently through trade and they have their young guys. And I know for myself that I didn't expect to see this roster um, December coming out of training camp. A lot of the young guys who everyone was really excited about, and rightfully so, they should be, they're not there and they've relied on doing it elsewhere and i think that's going to pay dividends in a positive way um two ways one i think the team is more prepared to win right now and in this season and two it's allowing those guys the future of the uh, the future of the ducks top six to develop in san diego under dallas and uh be able to step in next year or maybe the year after that and uh kind of keep the momentum going so from an organizational standpoint the season's working out in a positive manner yeah, I, I agree. And I think one of the things you touched on, too, was this lineup. I, I, I mean, with all the injuries going on this season, which we've seen this last season, too, I don't think anybody suspected this lineup was going to be what it was. I think only once or twice this year, the Ducks have actually had the same forward lineup and back-to-back, uh, you know, contests. It's been crazy with, uh, you know, Eves in and out of the lineup. Of course, you knew Perry was going to be gone. Uh, Getzoff was out a couple games here and there. Uh, now, and then you see they've had issues on defense now. Uh, you know, Lindholm was out for a little bit. He's now back. Uh, of course, Fowler, we're waiting to see. He had his surgery. They're hoping he's going to be back in January. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, turmoil with this team. Uh, like you said, too, they were on that losing streak. They lost seven games in a row. Everybody was going crazy over Carlisle and whatnot. Um, you know, when you look at what's gone on, and now they've kind of turned it around, obviously, right now. And, and like you said, it's still a quarter of a season. Uh, what do you think as far as this team trying to battle those injuries? Because this team has had the most man games lost in the entire NHL over 170 games. 
Well, I think uh, it's funny. I've been I've been in the organization, obviously not this year, but the past two years, and I think Carla or uh, the GM uh, Murray has done a great job in kind of protecting themselves in case of injuries. And um, it's like if you look, I wouldn't have thought Keeper Shearer would have been, would have played twenty nine games, and you know Troy Terry and Sam Steele would be down in America, right. but they're ready for it. I mean, you can lose, you can lose you know, your, you know, three, your top six forwards and you're going to have, you can call up the, your future top six forwards and do well. So I think they're, I think they're okay on that end. And I think they are, I think the way the organization was built to Murray's credit on, from this standpoint, I think they are ready to weather those type of storms and they've been able to do it. I think it took a little bit to find what works and who belongs where and all that stuff. But I think that they found a good balance of what's working for them right now with the bodies they have available to them. Yeah. And I agree with you. I, I think Murray's done a great job as far as with the younger players, you know, he's always on it when it comes to the draft and going with his advisors and whatnot. So that part of it, I definitely agree, especially being able to have this uh, pool of young talent in San Diego and bring up players, you know, uh, like you talked about Troy Terry, Sam Steele, still have Max Jones yeah. as well down there. Uh, a lot of guys that the ducks can come up because, you know, this gets era is going to end at one point. Right. Uh, you know, we don't know exactly when, but it's going to happen. Obviously Kessler, Perry gets off. They're not going to be around forever. They're locked up now. And of course we've seen Kessler battle through all his injuries as well and come back, which has been phenomenal, but it's, it's, they're going to have a changing of the guard at some point. But when it comes to the coaching part, you know, this is the part that's kind of interesting. A lot of people are not happy with Carlisle. Uh, maybe not so much with Murray. Some people are kind of like, well, Murray should get rid of Carlisle. And, you know, the Ducks are losing. Now the Ducks are winning. Now now people aren't talking about it as much. What is your take on Carlisle coming in, you know, obviously again for a second time? Do you see him as someone that's long-term for the Ducks? Or do you think the Ducks, if they, you know, start to rebuild down the road, will he be someone that they also try to change out as well? Or, you know, just kind of what's your feeling on, on Randy Carlisle? I don't mean – it's tough talking about coaching. I don't. I don't think he's necessarily. If you like, you said if the if the Ducks decide they want to go full rebuild mode, he's not a part of it. I don't think he's the coach that's necessarily going to be the one to develop young talent. Um, if we just look at the beginning of the season as a small sample size, uh, we started off with uh, Terry Steele, um, you know, Cronois, uh, right. I don't know. A couple other young guys who they made the team out of camp. Things went south. Um, and, you know his job is on the line, right? Too. So I'm not sure. Right. I'm not sure if he wants to be the guy there developing these young guys. And now you know, looking at today, it's a completely different roster. Uh, right. I will say this: like when he when he's here, he's been able to get the team to the playoffs, which is all great. But I think past what the fans and what you said in terms of, okay, we've done the playoffs. That's great. We want to do more. I think with how competitive the NHL is now, and especially with names sort of out on the market and we've seen it before we saw it, we've seen uh, trots win a Stanley cup and not come to a proper agreement with Washington to return. Um, right. I think, I, I think if the team, you know, has another first round playoff exit, then, I could definitely see something changing because they've already established what 
is expected, right? That's the minimum is making the playoffs. They have had a great run of it, but now they want, they want more. And 2007, exactly. was 2007 was almost, it feels like a long time ago. We had <laughs> eternity. Yeah. We have teams joining the league, uh, every year now, uh, things have definitely changed. And I will say this, I've always just viewing and just talking to different guys who've had him in the past, like maybe adjustments hasn't been Carlisle's strong suit, but I will right. give him credit that he has made adjustments this year to write what looked like a ship that was, that this was going to be the year where they weren't going to be able to figure it out. And, uh, you know, we look at the standings today and they're right back in the top of the mix where they always are. So I, I, I will give him credit for that for sure. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think when they were on that seven-game losing streak, even myself, I was super critical of of Carlisle as well. And a lot of people were like, hey, you know, something's got to change. Nothing's working. And then the Ducks go on this road trip. I mean, I mean, even before that, they started winning some games, losing some games, but now they're back on an upward swing, which is great. But I agree with your point, too. If, if, the big thing, I think, with a lot of people out there is the concern about, hey – we're going to the playoffs every year. Yeah, we're ending up in, you know, first or second in the division. You know, that's great. You know, who cares about raising that banner unless you're in Nashville or whatever. But, you know, the, you want to try and get that farther, you know, uh, depth in the playoffs. Obviously, they did it against Chicago a couple of years back and unfortunately, you know, got knocked out in that seventh game. But it's been tough to do that. And I think uh, that's, I think, telltale sign. I, I, I think now if the Ducks do make, the playoffs or stay in this contention. I think Carlisle still does stay for the rest of the season, but I'm with you. I think if they do get knocked out really quickly in the first round, I think we could see some kind of changes come next year. I think, I think this month is huge for them. And obviously they came into it with a ton of momentum and they're playing well, but this month is going to definitely dictate a lot on what the team looks like personnel wise, coach wise. And um, even like you said, uh, if we, if we kind of circle back to Barry Trotz, um, his time in Nashville, they were always getting 100 points every single year, points, yep. playoffs, and they ultimately decided to go a different way. And obviously, it found success in Washington, but it kind of, but I bring him up just to say that you, you see that once you establish kind of the ground floor of what the, the organization expects, um, after a while, they're going to look for the piece that's going to take them to the next level. And he's, and it's funny that he was doing that in Nashville. And now he had the opportunity to pick up where someone else had left off in Washington and he brought them to the highest level. So sometimes it's not necessarily an indictment on the coach, but just the need to get a change of scenery and to hear likely the same message, but from a different voice. No, I definitely. And, you know, what's kind of interesting, too, is, uh, you know, what's your take on Coach Q? Because, you know, he took Chicago to the highest level several times and then they let him go. And you saw Chicago, they've been having troubles. You know, their defense hasn't been as good. Their special teams hasn't been as good. Yeah, I found that one to be a head scratcher. It didn't it didn't make sense uh, for what he's meant for that organization and his background. It didn't make sense. And it was premature. And I think he was still 500. He was 500 when he uh, when he got fired. And it's just we just kind yeah, of they were we kind of compare him and Carlisle, where the Ducks were kind of they were under 500 during the time of Quinville's firing. And right, Carlisle still has a job. Quinville doesn't. Quinville has you know three Stanley Cups, <laughs> regarded as one of the best coaches. It it doesn't make sense, but. 
it's it's funny. I'm not saying you know you hear other sports where it's like a copycat league, like the NFL and stuff. And it's interesting when uh, last year we had no coaches fired in the NHL, and then we had two weeks where it was utter chaos, where everyone was getting fired. And I wouldn't be surprised what would have ha- happened. And I think, and I I don't know the GM there in Chicago, and but I I thought that was kind of a quick reaction, just based on all the things that he's done for Chicago. Because remember, before he got there, and obviously Kane and Taves, they were floundering, right? They were getting yeah, big time. Picks. They were getting third overall picks. Uh, people going to the game, season tickets were low. Ter- you know, their rink wasn't renovated, all that stuff. So just considering all that stuff, I understand having to make a move, but I didn't think that that was the proper time. And uh, I... I it's funny. I think the coaching firing has slowed down, but I think you'll see several more by the end of the season. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought it was interesting too. Cause like you said, they were on a 500 record. I was like, really? I mean, you guys are going to boot him. This is the guy, like you said, that really turned your uh, team around to, you know, a, a, obviously a contender for the last decade. So I, I'm curious to see where he's going to end up. It's going to be a, interesting. Just a side note on that. Uh, uh, just in terms of what's going on in Chicago right now, it's, have you noticed that they've, them and Phoenix have swapped teams over the past two seasons. Like it's the amount of trades that those two teams have done. Together. <laughs> and uh, I don't know where they are in, in the standings. It'd be, I'm not sure if Phoenix is ahead of, uh, or Arizona now, sorry, is ahead of Chicago, but they, they've traded so many pieces. Yeah, I know. And, it, and it's interesting. No, you, you're right. I mean, they've been doing a lot of things in Arizona. And, you know, Arizona actually uh, came up this week, too, because, you know, we've got the uh, expansion uh, coming up here in the season. And it's kind of interesting to uh, look at it because Seattle's going to come in in uh, 2021 and then Arizona's going to get booted out of the Pacific and go over to the Central. So I wonder, you know, how is that going to affect what's going on? Um, like you talked about, they, you're right. You know, they've been making a lot of moves and whatnot and you know, it's going to be interesting, I think. Yeah. Arizona is in a tough spot because obviously it's no secret. Um, just kind of the issues that the organization has had. Um, not even, they haven't found a long-term home for the team. There's been talks about the franchise altogether moving to Houston. So they're kind of at the NHL's mercy. If they told them that they had to play in the Eastern Conference, I'm sure Arizona doesn't – there's nothing <laughs> they, can, they can say or do to fight the NHL about that. They're kind of at the mercy of the league. But I think uh, Seattle moving the NHL is, is phenomenal and great for the league. Uh, Seattle's a top 15 TV market in North America. So it's kind of funny that there hasn't been a team there for NHL or even the NBA. I know there's more momentum talking about yeah. that. And uh, I think it's great for the National Hockey League to kind of con- continue uh, putting teams out west and, and kind of taking care of that northern region is uh, huge, huge for the league. I'm excited to see what Seattle does. I, I think it's going to be really exciting. And uh, I'm, I can't wait to see the, expan- the expansion draft because uh, Las Vegas seemed to rig the system. And I, it's definitely, <laughs> definitely going to be harder uh, for Seattle because I think uh, with, you know, with the advantage of hindsight and seeing uh, all the moves that were made, uh, teams would have done it a little differently. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, Vegas went crazy. And obviously, we all know what happened in their first season going all the way and almost winning it. I mean, it, it, you nice. know, crazy. So but I, I agree with you. I mean, uh, having something up there in Washington, I think is awesome. Like you said, uh, you know, maybe they bring back the uh, Seattle Supersonics and the NBA. Obviously, that you know, they missed that for a little while. You've I got the Seattle. Go ahead. Yeah, I think yeah, I think the I think the NBA will happen too. Um, it, like I said, it, if you just look at markets and the viewership and the population there, it makes sense for that city to have four major sports. Um, right. All pretty much all the other cities in the top fifteen um, have that luxury. So I think for whatever reason the Sonics didn't work, um, but the NHL has done it right. They've started. Number one, by finding a great ownership group, which you can check that off for Seattle. And they were determined to bring a team back to Seattle. And they've made sure that they've built a strong foundation in terms of getting the rink put together to provide a great product for the National Hockey League that's only going to make money for the league. So I think that's really exciting for the NHL that they're that they're doing it right. And um, hopefully that bodes well for uh, the NHL and sports in that city in the future because they definitely deserve it. Oh, yeah. Like you said, it's a big market. I think it's going to be highly successful up there, just like uh, obviously Vegas has been for right now. Um, What do you think about any other cities? I know, uh, you know, Quebec was mentioned before. Uh, You know, some people don't remember, but, you know, there was the Quebec Nordiques. Do you think that that's maybe another location or what are some other locations you think that the NHL might try to uh, pursue? Because there's been some, you know, thrown out there. And obviously now Vegas and Seattle have happened. I I think Houston would be interesting. Um, I, I heard I've heard that recently, especially tied to to Arizona, and that's another conversation that has to do with the size of the market. Like people don't know that Houston. I think they might be like the fourth biggest city in America, fifth biggest city in America. They're and, out there. Uh, yeah, it's uh, so with the population and the market and obviously the success of the Rockets and the Texans and there just seems to be a pure love for sports, um, even though hockey is not necessarily what you think of when it comes to Texas, but Dallas has made it work and other non-conventional hockey markets have made it work. And for them, it just has some that it all comes down to putting together a winning product like Las Vegas did. Um, I hear you know, you talked, you talked about Quebec City, and I think that'd be great because it's in hockey, but I'm not sure how they would do uh, competing with uh, the Canadians. I just feel right. like the followers of the Canadians are so passionate uh, that I just don't see people just deciding that they're going to, you know, become a whatever Quebec City fan, whatever they want to call themselves uh, if they want to bring back the Nordiques. I just don't see the draw there. Uh, especially because it's so far gone from the original Nordiques, you're not going to have that pull there like the Jets had. And right. uh, the Jets the Jets also didn't have any competition in uh, the province of Manitoba. So I, I, I like maybe I've heard, you know, I've heard of two Toronto teams. I don't think that's necessarily a great idea. I know Kansas City has a brand new beautiful rink that's intriguing, but I don't think there's anything other than obviously what Seattle did that seems glaring like, hey, that needs that 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 market needs a hockey team. 
Yeah, I do think the one thing you touched on that would be interesting is Houston, because I've heard those, uh, you know, uh, you know, talk about maybe Arizona going over there as well. And I think that would be interesting with them going to the central division in a couple seasons. Anyways, that might seem like a perfect fit. So maybe maybe there's not a new team, but maybe you see them kind of move. But we'll see. I, I mean, think it, that, I think that's more likely, too, because yeah. I don't I don't want to see the league get past 32. I think that's good because the product there is has been good with 31 so i don't see it changing much with 32 but the more teams you add uh, like anything you're going to water down the product and right. i think 32 is probably it's the sweet number because if there's not 32 nf you know if there's not 33 nfl teams or baseball teams or basketball teams there certainly shouldn't be 33 ice hockey teams no, I agree with you. I mean, you just look at the math. If you have 32, it balances out everything now because for a while it's kind of it's been a little bit uneven, obviously, with, uh, you know, not the same amount of teams in each conference and whatnot. So, yeah, you're right. It does affect it a little bit that way. So I, I like that, too, if they are able to just cap it. But who knows what Bettman will do? You know, he's getting all these people with millions of dollars to get these new teams. Hey, if you want to give me $650 million, I'm not going to tell you no. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, hey, you, you know, you want a team in ice? Okay, you know, I mean, it's just uh, kind of crazy the league is gone. But, uh, you know, um, I just want to uh, basically pretty much wrap up the show. I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, you know, I know we've been talking back and forth kind of in the last uh, few months. And I know with the time change and everything, I'm glad we can uh, work it out. And I wish you the best of luck at everything that you're doing. And I uh, appreciate you taking the time out of your day to, you know, come on here and just talk hockey. Yeah, no problem. Uh, thanks for having me. I always enjoy uh, the gifts you post on Twitter, and I like that you have the uh, I like that you have the uh, the team's record in your uh, title as well, because that's usually how I how I see how how I get the big picture of how the Ducks are doing. So I like seeing the fifteen, ten, and five as opposed to the front number being uh, higher than the back, or lower than the back number. So. Yeah, it's just something that that we uh, changed up this season. I started putting, you know, the uh, the record in there, and I thought it was kind of a good idea because a lot of times, you know, people don't know, and then obviously we put in the game, uh, you know, the the previews and whatnot when we write them up. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's been fun, you know, and I'm glad that you you know you follow and you're a supporter, and and for those out there, if you haven't joined the Athletic, you really should. Uh, I read a lot of articles by Jordan, and of course, I read a lot of them by uh, Eric Stevens, as you know, used to be on the, um, the OC Register, and he now does the Athletic as well. So phenomenal stuff that you guys are doing over there. Um, I thoroughly enjoy it. It's it's worth the few bucks that I pay, um, you know, to go on there and read uh, your articles. Like I said, I really like the the Auburg one because you had the videos in there. Really, uh, I think set it home with people because it's one thing to read stuff about uh, a certain play or something, but when you have videos there to back it up, I I, I just thought that was a, a really good way to put it all uh, complete. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's called Ducks Film Room, and obviously I do a, a Kings Film Room too, but I've toyed around with it a few different ways, but uh, it's called Film Room for a reason, so I've been taking more of a focus on doing the video, and it definitely helps paint the picture, especially for people who might not be uh, familiar with the small nuances of the game. It's definitely uh, a nice way to learn more about what you uh, what you want to expect from uh, the players on your team and uh, where they can prove and where they're doing great. And uh, like I kind of said with Auberg, uh, he, he's doing great for, for you guys right now. And that's a huge, uh, that's a huge, huge win for Anaheim. Yeah. I mean, a big steal off the waiver wire for sure. So, 
Yeah, Benny is a restricted free agent. That's something that should be uh, people should be excited about too. Um, they they control negotiation negotiation rights. So if he continues on this path, it might be a little uh, hit to the to the cap. But uh, it's nice to have a player uh, twenty five or under who makes the plays that he does, and uh, he's still an R. Yeah, I mean it's that's a huge point too that you make up because uh, you know with the uh, trade deadline, it's you know it's still a ways away. We're in December, but you know it's going to come up quick in February. Uh, if he's able to continue what he's doing, then, you know, yeah, it could be yeah. and I mean, yeah. I, really the only other issue would be Silverberg for the ducks. So they got to figure out what they're going to do with him. But as far as that pressure to try to go out there and make a move, the ducks can keep doing what they're doing. Like you said, this is a big month for the ducks in December because as, as most of you out there listening, know, October, November, usually the ducks play poorly. They don't do as well. If we're at least 500, we're happy. Then December, they usually turn it on. And obviously right now they're turning it on. So I think if they can keep this upward path, the ducks might not have to do too much of the trade deadline. Yeah, I don't, I really don't see them making a major move at the trade deadline. I think they just have so much depth and they have players who will be, who will be returning from injury who have been big, parts of the team so you have guys stepping into bigger roles right now so when they go back down to roles where carlisle thinks they should be they're gonna have that confidence so it's kind of like you're you're building for the future so they're doing well right now um and when you know the bigger the bigger players come in then you know everyone's gonna find their way but they're gonna have that confidence which yeah i agree 100 percent and like I said, you know, thanks for coming on the show. We have a lot of people that uh, listen all over the world. I know you're over in Europe right now. Um, I, I got to give a shout out. I've got some of some fans actually in Brazil. They do a, a Ducks a podcast. So I told them I would give them a shout out. So I wanted to tell them uh, thank you for listening. And, and it's not just Canada and U.S. that follow us. It's a lot of people around the world. And uh, I'm just glad to have you on here and uh, definitely like to have you back sometime in the future. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me again. Thanks. I appreciate it. And uh, that was Jordan. Uh, Thanks for coming on the show and let's go Ducks.